Welcome back to the conclusion of the matter podcast. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, Solomon writes, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. I'm joined, as always, by Ren Ferguson and Ryan Weaver, and I am Robbie Ferguson as of last week. <laughs> no, just a joke. Uh, my name is Robbie Santiago, but I am, in fact, joined by Ryan and Ren. So uh, this week, we were going to change topics and get off of the, the part one and part two series that we seem to have been on the last little bit. Uh, and I'll go ahead and turn it over to Ren to give us more about today's topic, with which we will only, Lord willing, spend one podcast yeah. on. Uh, yeah, thanks, Robbie. Uh, we are going to be looking at, at a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6, uh, specifically in verses 5 through 15, and we commonly call this the Lord's Prayer. Um, I kind of prefer to call it the model prayer model. because it's mm-hmm. more so of Christ not necessarily praying this specifically himself, but more so teaching his disciples how to pray. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be looking at. And I would, I think, as we often say on this podcast, context, 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 uh, before we actually look at the prayer itself, I think it is, first of all, important for us to understand the general context of what he is talking about here. And even, I guess you could say, even Christ's introduction to uh, the prayer uh, which is primarily in verses 5 through 7. And really, if we zoom out even further, looking at verses 1 through 18, this whole first half of the chapter, roughly half of the chapter, one of his major points is highlighting just how important the heart is in our service to God. And that's exactly what he deals with in verses 5 through 7, but specifically in relation to uh, prayer and our attitude and our heart and our approach to prayer. And so I will just start reading there in verse 5. It says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Again, kind of that introduction on that, but I guess kind of going back to you guys, what are some things that stand out to y'all in those verses? Well, I think one really important thing that you brought up is just if you think about the context of this, even backing up to chapter 5, which he spends a lot of time talking about what we call the Beatitudes, and then when he finishes that, spends a lot of time just, again, on our, our mindset, our approach. And prayer is certainly the communication that we have to God. We definitely want to go about that with the right frame of mind uh, and making sure uh, that we are giving God the respect that he deserves, which I'm sure we'll right. be talking about here in a little bit. Yeah. But um, I've always heard it said that um, that the Bible is God's way of talking to us, but prayer is our way of talking to God. Um, and again, just the mindset that we have when speaking to God needs to be in the right place. And, and I think we're, what we're going to see when we get into um, 
the rest of the passage here is the purpose of prayer, whereas here he's saying the hypocrites are doing it for totally different. The right. Pharisees are doing it for a whole totally different reason, and they're being rewarded because people are seeing them do it, and that's what mm-hmm. they want. They want exactly. to be seen mm-hmm. of men, right? Um, I found it interesting that he says to um, where to go, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your mm-hmm. father who is in secret. And I thought, wow. You know, you think about we did Daniel and the lines in right. the VBS, and he did it with his windows open where people could see him. But the point wasn't that Daniel was doing it to be seen of men. Right. That's what he's saying here is don't do it to be seen. And he, it's not that we have to go into a closet to say our mm-hmm. prayers. That's not his point. Right. It's going back to what you alluded to earlier, the heart. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing it? Yeah. And I, I think that's a good point because you bringing up Daniel. I thought of that whenever I was looking over this. And it is that idea of not necessarily people never seeing you do it. Like, just for example, we go to restaurants all the time, and a lot of times we will pray in the middle mm-hmm. of the restaurant. So people mm-hmm. certainly see, are going we'll to see, see it, us. Right. But what's our motivation behind doing it? Look that? at me. I, hey, everybody yeah. watch. I'm getting ready to pray. Right. right? That's not. No, no, it's not. And in fact, I think this also highlights another aspect of prayer. Because as you pointed out, Robbie, it's it's our avenue to talk to God, and that should be something that we do with respect, which again, you mentioned we'll get into later, but it's also something that should be very personal to us mm-hmm. and not something that we just do flippantly. And it reminds me of Luke 5 and verse 16, talking about Christ, it says he would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. Right. There's a few statements <clears throat> along that line that are made about Christ in his life, and he would go, even the Garden of Gethsemane, which I'm sure we'll get into uh, later in this, but it was that idea of it, that was his time to be able to talk to the Father. It wasn't something, as he's pointing out here, it wasn't something that he used in order to promote himself, and that's the attitude that, that he had. But the other thing is, he also points it out in verse 7, I think, your heart needs to be right. And verse 7, of course, ties into that. But he says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Uh, the King James says vain repetitions. And what that means is saying something without really thinking, thinking about, about what about you're it. saying. Yeah. And I know, I don't know if this is going to offend people or not, but I think about this all the time with the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We get up there, and it's like we have a script. We say the exact same words with the exact same inflection, whether it's monotone or however we're yeah. doing it. And it's like it's almost like we've gone through that so many times we begin to lose the meaning behind what we are actually saying. Now, I want to preface that by saying it's not wrong to say those same right. words over mm-hmm. and over so long as we are actually meaning it. Agreed. And that was the other thing is that – I, I I key in on the on the term many words. Prayer doesn't have to be also something right. that takes thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, when we get into this, he covers it in a very short amount of time of yeah. what the basic principle of prayer. Not to say you can't pray for longer, right? But going back to vain repetition, are you saying it just because you've heard it? Are you just getting into the but did Christ pray for the same thing? Right. That's, multiple that's exactly times? where I was so, going, especially 
in the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. It says that he went back and he prayed the same words three times. And Paul did, too, right. about mm-hmm. the thorn in his yeah, side. Exactly. He specifically said, I asked this three times. Right. And three, I, I get that. It's not like four. If you do it the right. fourth time, you're automatically right. disqualified. Too many times. Exactly. Yeah. So, But I think that's a good point call out there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it just needs to be very direct and a lot of times like we had been talking about over the last few minutes it can sometimes be something where we go through the motions mm-hmm. um, but I wrote down I didn't have a particular verse with this but it needs to be something that we're very engaged with I think sometimes like our minds can wander especially mm-hmm. when people are leading public public prayers right. um, but just because somebody is leading that prayer doesn't mean that we don't need to be Locked in yeah, because agreed. again, it's our communication to right. God. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just being very engaged uh, in a very respectful way, um, and even I like how he opens Matthew chapter six, making not for the point of of prayer, but says, "Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people, in order to be seen by them." So. Again, just making sure we're not doing this for our own attention, or we're not using these like big words. You know, sometimes, right. you know, sometimes less is more. Yep. Sometimes when you use all those big words, but people aren't aren't locked in. They're like, "What does that word mean?" They're not thinking about communicating to God. Now they're thinking, mm-hmm. "Well, what does this word that they just used yeah. mean?" <laughs> Which right. I think the simplicity of this model prayer gets yeah. to the point. And mm-hmm. you, you making mention of especially public prayer reminded me of First Corinthians fourteen. Uh, in verse 15, he says, I will pray with the Spirit, but I will, will pray with my mind also. I will sing with my Spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your Spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? Now, specifically, what he's talking about are people speaking in tongues and not having someone Spiritual to gifts. interpret it. Yeah. But I think that principle is still applic- applicable in a non-miraculous sense today. Sure. If we're not paying attention to what that person is saying, how can we say amen and agree with what he is saying if we mm-hmm. weren't paying attention? Or if you don't, going to Robbie's right. point, if you don't literally don't, don't understand what, he was, what saying, it was said, yeah. you, how can you be in agreement with right. it? So, Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and go on to uh, the prayer itself. Um I'll read verse 8. Okay. Did you read verse 8 already? No, Okay, I, I didn't think so. All right. Uh, I'll read verse 8. I figured we would probably circle back to it okay. later as we get into some of these other things. Uh, start, so starting in verse 8, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so the first part of the prayer is in verse 9. Pray then like this. Again, this highlights the point that this is not a prayer that Christ is praying Himself, but rather He is teaching His disciples what to pray. And he goes on, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is the first thing that he does whenever he opens up his prayer? I guess really there's two things that we see here. Gives honor and reverence right away. Right. He gives honor and reverence, and also I also think he directs it to the Father. The Father. And he indicates there's a relationship. Right. Which um, Father indicates what? And he says, our Father. Mm -hmm. So it's, sure, is he the Son of God? Yes. So it is his Father. Mm -hmm. But he's also saying he can be our Father. Right. right? We see passages in Romans chapter 8, verses 16, 17, talking about the adoption, being fellow heirs with Mm -hmm. Christ, which means we are brothers with Christ, which means sons of God. Right. Um, So that relationship and getting to that, where Robbie was at with that 
being engaged with a personal, it's Mm -hmm. a personal relationship thing. Yeah. And also you're exactly right. And also what Robbie already pointed out, giving that praise and honor that he is due because that word hallowed, it's not really a word that we use in our common vernacular, but it means to separate, consecrate, sanctify, or regard or reverence as holy. So he's not addressing God as he would one of his buddies. Right. He's not talking to him like we would talk to each other. He's recognizing his authority and his supremacy right. and, and approaching him with and respect. It's funny you say that because I've heard people not here, but and I don't maybe more the denominational world, I don't recall, but it's okay to say, Dear Dad, Daddy. But, but that's yeah. I, I have I struggle with that. Right. Because that is, I think, irreverent of what he is. Yeah. Father, same concept, but I feel right. like it's irreverent to use those yeah. terms. I don't I, know. No, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It seems to kind of not necessarily demean him, but kind of bring him, him to lesser. our level almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, which there is that, you know, that relationship that we have with him, but you know, we've also got to remember that prayer prayer is one of the highest honors that we can have. We get to speak directly to the most powerful being that ever was or ever will come, and we have to, you know, address him in a way that would reflect that. So, right. uh, so you know, I'm kind of with you. Like, I would definitely never use the words like dad or daddy, yeah. but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess it really kind of can depend on their frame of mind, uh, which, you know, we sure. aren't going to judge that, but still, like, I personally would— always want to keep it very reverent and very right. honorable because, I mean, it, it is a privilege mm-hmm. to pray to God. So, Right. Uh, and so, you all have anything else on that one before we continue? Mm-mm. The next one is interesting uh, <laughs> for me. And really, this we're trying not to make this a two-parter, but it gives, <laughs> it gives me an idea for some <laughs> other episodes. There in verse 10, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are so many times that this is prayed, like I think about whenever I was a kid and I was playing football in middle school, the coach or one of the athletes, they would lead this prayer and they would always say in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done. Mm -hmm. And always in the back of my mind, I'm like, nope, his kingdom is already here. here." Mm -hmm. And that goes back to the vain repetitions. We need to think about what What we're we're saying before Mm -hmm. we say it. And... So him saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, most of that we should and still pray today. But really, I think the point of this is kind of what he mentions there at the end, your will be done. Whatever it is that God desires to happen, whatever it is that his plan is for it to be, to pray that those things come about. Now, again, we know that his kingdom has already come, that the kingdom is the church. We see that Mark 9, verse 1, Matthew right. 16, 18. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I was talking about. We could go, sure. we could yeah. do some episodes on that. But I think real quick, I think what we could pray for is your kingdom to grow, your right. kingdom to spread. Right. Mm-hmm. And we do uh, that all the yeah, time. Agreed. Yeah. And we say, especially, I know, We don't especially necessarily here, say kingdom. We right, say your the church, church, but right. one and the same. Right. But that we would be an example, that we would be able to bring lost souls to him, of course, all of that would be in relation to the kingdom, but I like what you say there, instead of his kingdom come, his kingdom be able to grow. Right. Ultimately, like with his frame of mind about um, God's will being done, it just reminds me of the prayer that he says in the garden and right before he's about mm-hmm. to be crucified. Obviously not something he wanted to go through, but he still had the humility 
uh, to obey God. Even though he wanted that cup to pass from him, he says, not as I will, but your will be done. So right. really, really Submissive. similar wording right here that he uses in his prayer later in Matthew. So Right. Mm-hmm. And also in 1 John 5, uh, verses 14 and 15, where John says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So again, it's that idea of no matter what we ask of God to always keep in mind his will. And there are times mm-hmm. where we just we don't know what right. his will is, what mm-hmm. the intent is, how what he's going to do in certain situations. And that's when I think kind of hearkening back to Christ, we just have to pray even though we don't know, we just have to pray that His will will be done, and we have to be okay. With it. That's right. The, yes, mm-hmm. that's, that's a good the, point. That's that we have to be okay with it because He's He's in control. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we pray for a lot of things, and maybe we, you know, use those words, "Your will be done" in this. But then, when it actually comes to fruition, uh, and it isn't working out the way we want it to, we sometimes will blame God for that. And again, something we need to have humility with. Right. All right. So in verse 9, it's addressing it to our Father, having that respect that He is due. Verse 10, praying that His will would be done. And then verse 11, He says, Give us this day our daily bread. So here we see the idea of praying for, but also being thankful for our daily necessities. And this is where I would say we go back to verse 8. Uh, where he says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Right. Mm-hmm. God is already aware of those physical necessities that we have, whatever they may be. He knows exactly what they are, but I, I know this is pointed out oftentimes when looking at this verse. The thing is, is even though he knows it, he still he wants still, us yeah. to ask right. and to bring that to him. <clears throat> and, and if we would fast forward to the second half of the chapter, or the end of the chapter, where it's talking about the daily necessities of things. He's like, don't worry about them, because if you seek first the kingdom, he's going to supply them. But this puts us in the right frame of mind. Mm -hmm. Even though God knows, it's it's showing that I respect his authority, and I need him. I need him to provide me this stuff. Right. Right. My brain goes to Ephesians uh, in chapter 1, where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So even though, you know, daily bread's more of a physical thing, like God's the supplier of all those things, and He knows what our needs are. And even even later in chapter 6, like at the end, He goes uh, into this spiel about worrying uh, and anxiety and the physical things that we worry about that fail in comparison for the ways that he's going to provide for us. So, mm-hmm. Right. And and I would say, even though this isn't specifically what he's talking about, uh, of course, I think specifically what he's talking about is the things that we need in order to live. Uh, but also I think of Third John in verse 2, when John is writing to Gaius, and he states, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good, good health. health. Mm-hmm. Yeah as it goes well with your soul. So again, praying, yes, for those physical necessities, but as we do constantly, praying for those that are in poor health or just praying that they remain in in good health. Mm -hmm. Yes, right. All right, do you all have anything else on verse 11? I think daily, key in on that. It's something we should think of daily. It's not like I covered it on Sunday. I don't have to... 
You know right. what I mean? It's and it. that, that kind of goes back to what you mentioned at the end of this chapter. He says, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow, in essence, will worry about, about itself. itself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, because James 4, verses 13 through 17, we don't know if tomorrow's going to be here, so yep. we just need to be thankful for what we have today. Mm-hmm. And trust that God will, if tomorrow comes, that he will continue to take care of us. Anything else on verse 11? I was just going to add that not only is it like a daily daily thing that we you know make a point of i think the thankfulness and our gratitude for the things that he does provide something that we need to remember to do daily um there's you know i'm not sure who the original quote would be but somebody long ago probably said something along the lines of if you went to bed with only the things that you prayed for like how much would you have right. when you woke mm-hmm. up um so it's really easy for us to kind of become self-absorbed and mm-hmm in our daily lives and things and, and forget to thank God for the blessings that he's done in the past, but also the present things that he's going to right. do. So, And I think that's a good point too, because I think a lot of times when we look at these, we think about food and clothing primarily, mm-hmm. but really, and those of course are the things that are promised to us at the end of this chapter, but really all of every material thing that we have is a blessing from God. I mean, this, equipment that we're using right now to record these things and put them out that's a blessing Mm -hmm. from god he's given us these things so that we can i think in part so that we can do exactly what we're doing here yeah and so to be thankful for all of those things that he has given us and spiritual blessings too right being you know more thankful for those things the fact that you know we you know aren't condemned because of what jesus has done for us so yeah i mean we've seen Count your blessings, right? Mm-hmm. Name them one by one. If you really would go through and jot them down, you would be surprised what the Lord has done. Yes. And I almost broke out in song like I promised I would do in episode one, but I just, I didn't. So maybe <laughs> well, someday. Thank you. <laughs> not that you're a bad no, singer. No, that's fine, Ren. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> uh, it's just not the time. Uh, anything else on verse 11? Okay. Nope. Uh, so... He's kind of covered, in verses 9 and 10, at least in my mind, covering the Father, covering His will. Verse 11, our physical necessities, but then starting in verse 12, more so our spiritual necessities. Uh, So verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, I believe in some translations there, that's at least where the ESV stops recording, uh, but in some translations... I will add at the end of that, for yours is the kingdom and power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, So there in verse 13 is where Christ closes that prayer. But as I mentioned, I think verses 12 and 13 more so lean toward our physical necessities. In part, the first one spiritual. What did I say? Spiritual. Did I say physical? Yeah. Oh, spiritual. Sorry. Uh, And the in verse 12, the first one is forgiveness of our sins. Mm -hmm. Um, makes me think of Simon in Acts chapter 8 after he had obeyed the gospel and then whenever he saw that it was through the laying on the hands of the apostles that the Holy Spirit was given uh, he says in well he tries to bribe Peter he tries to buy the Holy Spirit and of course Peter rebukes him but he says in verse 22 repent therefore of this your of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible the intent of your heart may be forgiven you 
So Simon had already obeyed the gospel, and that's oftentimes a question that people have is, okay, after I've obeyed, after I've been baptized and I sin, what am I supposed to do? That's one of the examples that I usually take them to, and that's you pray and you ask for forgiveness, and that's exactly what Christ is teaching his disciples to do here. Yeah, and I find it interesting that he doesn't, he says, forgive us our debts, but then he adds, as we have forgiven our debtors, which I'm assuming you're going to flow to 14 and 15 at some right. point, but yeah. there's a there's a condition. There's an expectation of us that I think it was last one of the last two podcasts where you we we've talked about the ungrateful servant who was mm-hmm. forgiven by the master, right. but then he wouldn't forgive a fellow servant. Yeah. Same concept. God will forgive us, but the condition is he expects us to forgive others. Right. And we see that Constantly, I think Ephesians 4 and verse 2, I think verse 32 of that same chapter, uh, Luke 6, 36, where he says, be merciful even as your father is merciful. It's, I think you're exactly right. And also, what is it, James 3 and verse 12 or 13, where he says the judgment will be without mercy, mercy. to him who shows yeah. no mercy. So you're exactly right. We need to ask God for forgiveness of our sins, but... As you stated, that's conditional based on if we are willing to forgive others. I think sometimes we have the mentality that Peter had um, later in Matthew chapter 18, I believe is where it is. But when when he asked like the question, well, how many times do I have to forgive them? And 70 times 7, you know, I think like sometimes we think like, well, how many do we actually have to like? And, you know, I, I think it comes again back to our mindset that that we will sometimes become like kind of self-absorbed and be like, I've forgiven them this many times yeah. already. Like, right. um, and it's, it's really fortunate that God hasn't run out of times that mm-hmm. he's forgiven us, like that there's no right. limit on that uh, because we'd definitely be asking a different question. So, right. And it's interesting going to your point, Ryan, in verses 14 and 15, where Christ states, now this is after the he's ended the prayer, so to speak, verses 14 and 15, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that that's the only aspect of this prayer that he really expounds on, mm-hmm. which shows to me... The importance of it. Right. Yeah. How, significant, how significant that is if we desire to have that forgiveness. It's like... It's almost like maybe they made a, yeah, maybe they uh, or were even confused. confused this or is he audio, saw, Ryan. People can't. Well, see yeah, you. they couldn't <laughs> see my confused face, but maybe they gave some sort of you know indication that they didn't understand at right. that point. But Jesus knew their hearts anyway, yeah. so he could have just expounded here and right. said, just to be clear, there's a right. condition on and that. And also the just the general mentality of the Jews by and large, not everybody of this day and age is okay. You just go down the checklist. And that's it. And that's kind of one of the major points, in my opinion, of the Sermon on the Mount is your heart is just as important as your actions. actions. Mm -hmm. And again, when we zoom out just a little bit, that's the general context of what we're studying here. And verses 1 through 18, that your heart matters in whatever you are doing, even if you are being obedient. And that's really his point. All right, uh, y'all have anything else on verse 12? Okay, the last thing really is in verse 13. I, oh. I, I do, and I'm going to jump to the par- to a similar passage in Luke chapter 11, which is another 
example where right. they said, tell us how to pray. Mm-hmm. He, he speci- in, at least in the ESV there, for that passage, it says, and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And here, it doesn't necessarily call out um, everyone, whereas we can't pick and choose who we forgive either, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's important to say, mm-hmm. well, I've forgiven five out of my six people right. that I need to, but it's an everyone. It's a – you can't pick right. and choose. Because that's exactly what God does. He forgives anyone who asks right. that forgiveness of him. That's a good point. Anything else in verse 12? All right, then the last verse, or the last part of the prayer at least, is verse 13. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This immediately made my mind go back to the Garden of Gethsemane. uh, After, or I think it was between the second and third time uh, he prayed, and he came back and he found Peter, James, and John asleep in verse 41. He tells them, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So it's that idea of, yes, asking God to forgive us of our sins, but going a step beyond that, praying that he will help us to overcome the temptation. Right. And I immediately went to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 10, 13 yeah. because it talks about how he will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. Right. So number one, what we're dealing with, we can overcome. Right. Number two... Um, he provides a way of escape. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like we have to look for that. And him leading, him guiding us away from temptation is maybe us looking for that way of escape that he has given to us. Because he says there, um, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So that's kind of what to me, that statement that Christ made, ten thirteen is the is the right. application of it for right. us. Right, I would agree wholeheartedly, um, and that's a, such a a wonderful promise that we have because there are times where we might think Can't that there's no way that we can right. overcome mm-hmm. it, but when we look at First Corinthians ten thirteen, that's that's so contrary to that promise that He makes to us there that no matter what it is, as you pointed out, first of all. It's not going to be a temptation to the point where we just cannot but submit or succumb to it. But also with that, he gives us some avenue, some way to be able to get around it. And the other thing is it's, it, he says it's not, it's, um, not common. to it's No temptation right. is not common. So it means any temptation, someone else has right. dealt with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And... Christ, Hebrews 4 and verse 15. Yeah. He was tempted in all, all points small manners, as we right. are. Good point. And every single – and going to that, I think a lot of times we think Matthew 4 verses 1 through 11 is the only time he was ever right. tempted. Yeah. That's just one occasion yeah. that we have recorded where he was tempted, but he was tempted in every mm-hmm. every aspect. I and mean, you really some, think you really think that Christ was here on earth for 33 years and the devil only tried three, three times? Three times, yeah. yeah. Well, it says there he departed for a more opportune time right. or another season. Yeah. So he did – he did come back. We just it's not recorded of right. it, but we are told that every manner. And then some people are going to say, "Well, there's no way because he didn't have to deal with the internet." Okay, well, but yeah, the same the manner, right. same manner, not the exact well, same really, temptation, but the and really the heart of a lot of the temptations that we have on the internet are prevalent. It's just the internet amplifies them. It's, it's a different avenue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Right. I was going to go to that verse in Hebrews that you brought up a minute ago uh, about Jesus going through all of the things that we go through. But the very next verse says, Let us then with confidence Mm -hmm. draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So because Jesus is able to make intercession for us and because he's gone through the things that we've gone through and understands and sympathizes with us, you know, take that with you in your mindset when you pray also. Uh, And even later in Hebrews we kind of touched on this earlier in the podcast, I guess, but Hebrews 7.25, Therefore he is able to save the uttermost of those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for him. Mm-hmm. So even though we pray to the Father, it's Jesus who's making intercession for us. Right. And there's no one better that understands us exactly. and can make intercession for us. Right. And going along to that same point, First John 2, verses 1 and 2 say, states that if any man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, and that's Christ. An advocate is someone who pleads on another person's behalf. And so when we do sin, Christ is there pleading to the Father on our behalf because, as you pointed out, Robbie, he knows exactly what it's like to be in our shoes. Right, those are good points. And another thing that um, this is a little bit of a tangent that I think at least in today's culture, compared to the first century church that we really miss out on, is the encouragement and fellowship they had with one another. When they were going through things, mm-hmm. they relied so heavily on one another and on, on their brothers and sisters in Christ. And not that we don't today, but I just don't think that we have the same commitment and zeal. You know, we aren't, we don't have as close-knit a relationship right. with you know, several Christians, yeah. like we're close with a few that we can fight in, but a lot of times like mm-hmm. we, we don't go to, go to the congregation and the church and we and are our brothers and sisters yeah. as often as we should, or to as many that have often gone through similar things, right. like, especially like I, I always grown up, love to hang out with old people because they, always, they've been through everything. Yeah. So they know how to deal with all this stuff. Yeah. We're very much so, especially our society, a pull yourself up by your bootstraps mm-hmm. kind of mentality. And I think, to your point, it, that mentality has found its way into the church where we think we should just deal with everything ourselves. But that's not the mentality or the relationship that those in the first century had with each other. Anytime they face something, the first example that popped in my mind, I think it was in Acts 4 or 5. I think it was Acts 4. When Peter and John were arrested and they were threatened and they came back and they gave a report to the, bre- to the brethren, one of the first, one of, what, it, what they did after that is they all prayed together that they would remain faithful mm-hmm. and preach the truth Boldly. with boldness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a, a good point. All right, y'all have anything else? I was just going to add one thing and before we uh, finish up here. Um, asking in faith. Um, it's one thing, and this goes back to the sincerity aspect, but James chapter mm-hmm. 1 talks about right. when you're praying for wisdom, you know, ask in faith. And then Mark mm-hmm. chapter 11, Jesus actually in verse 24 says, <clears throat> um, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and will be yours. So that belief that he's actually going to answer mm-hmm. it, that has to be, if I if I really, can God forgive me? Can he per- keep me from temptation? help me get past temptation it, can he give me my necessities if i don't believe that he can do any of that mm-hmm. then i'm i'm asking in vain right but to mm-hmm. have that trust that he'll right fulfill those promises that he's made to us all right you have anything else robbie no that's it okay 
Well, we're so glad that you tuned in today. I hope that this has been beneficial and uplifting, encouraging to you, uh, a good reminder, perhaps learned some things, thought about some things in a different way that perhaps you never have before. Uh, as always, if you have any questions about anything that we talk about, feel free to uh, message us or email us. You can message the podcast Facebook page, or if you are friends with us individually, you could message us individual. I'll get it out here. Uh, so if you have any questions or as always topic suggestions, things that you would like for us to look at, uh, feel free to suggest those things uh, for us here. But I guess for now, you could say that that is the conclusion, conclusion of, of the matter. matter.